1: Chapter 1, Section 1, Part 9 The Apocalypse in Zechariah, The Stone and the Mountain But there was yet another incident beheld by Zechariah. He saw Joshua and his associate priests, whom he styles men of sign, as were Isaiah and the children Yahweh had given him, chapter 8, verse 18, Hebrews 2, verse 13. He saw a stone laid before Joshua, upon which were seven eyes, which are declared to be the eyes of Yahweh. Therefore that stone represented Yahweh the high priest, the servant of his father Yahweh, and named the branch. Concerning this stone, the reader can consult the following texts. Psalm 118 verse 22, Isaiah 28 verse 16, chapter 8 verse 14, Genesis 49 verse 24, and Daniel 2 verse 34. This stone is Yahweh's signet, the inscription upon which is Holiness to Yahweh, an engraving inwrought by the workmanship of Yahweh himself, as Zechariah was informed, and through which he will remove the iniquity of the land of Israel in one day, upon which every man therein shall call to his neighbour under the vine and under the fig tree, emblems of the kingdom of the heavens. But the mission of the stone is, is not exclusively to take away the iniquity of Israel. He has to level the great mountain, which at his apocalypse will be found destroying the earth. The Chaldean Babylonish Empire is styled by Jeremiah the destroying mountain which destroyed all the earth. Chapter 51 verse 25 Zerubbabel was contemporary with it but it did not become a plain before him. He died without witnessing such a result. Nevertheless it is written, Who art thou, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel thou shalt become a plain, and he shall bring forth the headstone with shoutings of grace, grace unto it. Here, then, is a work still to be accomplished, a great mountain to be levelled in the presence of Zerubbabel, and consequently to be levelled after his resurrection, when he shall have awakened out of his sleep. For then, as we have seen in Haggai, Yahweh will shake the heavens and the earth, and overthrow the throne of kingdoms, And destroy the strength of the kingdoms of the nations. These make up the great mountains to be levelled or abolished, as symbolised in Apocalypse 16, verse 20. The four carpenters, of which Zerubbabel is an element, are to cast out the horns of the Gentiles, and are therefore to level this great political mountain now the resurrection of the dead is as necessary for their development as for his this being so their resurrection is dramatically foreshadowed by Zechariah another constituent of the four being awaked by the angel he says the angel that talked with me came again and waked me as a man that is wakened out of his sleep. Chapter 4, verse 1. This is the resurrection of the prophet, so that what he saw after he awoke is to be referred to the time after the resurrection for its accomplishment. The seven-branched lampstand and olive trees. Now being awake, He saw a seven-branched lampstand of gold standing between two olive trees, a branch from each tree connected with the lampstand by a golden pipe, making two branches and two golden pipes, through which pipes the golden oil was transmitted from the branches to the bowl of the lampstand for the supply of the seven lamps. The prophet was told that These seven are the eyes of Yahweh, which run to and fro through the whole earth as the horsemen in the myrtle grove are said to do, and that the olive branches are the two anointed ones that stand beside the Adon or Lord of the whole earth. By the light of the New Testament we are able to arrive at an understanding of this enigma, which symbolically represents the nature and character of the power destined to establish and make Jerusalem a praise in the earth. The symbol as a whole is an apparatus of brightness, and the golden oil in combustion upon the seven burners, styled in the Apocalypse, chapter 4, verse 5, seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, is the Spirit of God which, in its sevenfold distribution, is styled in Apocalypse 5 verse 6, seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth. Hence, what is accomplished in all the earth, namely, the levelling of the great Babylonish mountain, and the bringing forth the headstone to lordship over the whole earth, as the word of Yahweh says to Zerubbabel, is not by army, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith Yahweh of armies. That is, the effectuation of these results, by such means alone as one nation employs to overturn the power of another, in which its success depends upon numbers, discipline, Artillery and so forth, courageously and scientifically applied, is impossible. Jerusalem will never attain to her destined exaltation as Yahweh's throne by the mere prowess and strategy of an Alexander or a Napoleon. It is to be accomplished by Zerubbabel, in whose hand is the plumb line which distinguishes him as the builder of David's tabernacle, of the city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Hebrews 11 verse 10. By my spirit, saith Yahweh, it shall be done, even by those seven eye-lamps of Yahweh. But shall this post-resurrectional work be performed by Yahweh's spirit unclothed, by pure naked spirit, as a psychologist would prevail over a subject, by afflation and a simple exercise of will? The answer from the testimony before us is, by no means. That which is born of the spirit is spirit, John 3 verse 6. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joshua the high priest, Zerubbabel, and all the prophets, which includes Jesus and the apostles, together with many from the east, west, north, and south, Luke 13 verses 28 to 30, will be born of the Spirit in the resurrection, and will therefore be Spirit. and Agiosenes, as Jesus is now, isangeloi, as angels, walking among those that stand by. When he, Jesus, shall appear, says John, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. 1st epistle 3, verse 2. By spirit, in organic manifestation, the face of the world shall be changed, and Jerusalem shall be made to shine, for her righteousness, Jeremiah 23 verses 5 and 6 and 33 verses 15 to 17, shall go forth as brightness, and her salvation, that which effects her deliverance, as a lamp, that burneth isaiah 62 verse 1 now the organic manifestation is represented by the lampstand with its bowl on the top and seven pipes projecting from it and terminating in seven burners by the two olive trees two branches of the same and two golden pipes passing from the branches to the bowl. We are told that the seven burnings are the eyes of Yahweh, which leads to the conclusion that the lampstand, with its bowl and pipes, is representative of Yahweh as manifested in David's son and his brethren. This conclusion is ratified By Psalm 132, verse 17, there, in Zion, verse 13, I will make to spring a horn for David. I have prepared a lamp for my anointed. David was Yahweh's anointed, and David's son and Lord Jesus is the lamp stem and the lamp bowl or reservoir of the anointing spirit, which is thence distributed to the seven burners. Ye are the branches, said Jesus to his disciples, and severed from me ye can do nothing. This is true, whether Jesus be regarded as a vine, or as a seven-branched lampstand. The branches of the olive trees, are connected with the bowl by the two golden tubes, which makes them thus branches of the lamp. The olive trees represent Israel after the flesh, and Israel after the spirit, in their post-resurrectional relation to the lamp of David's house. The iniquity of that land being taken away in one day, Zechariah 3 verse 9, then, says Yahweh, I will be... As the dew unto Israel, he shall blossom as the lily, and strike forth his roots as Lebanon. His branches shall spread, and his beauty shall be as the olive tree, and his smell as Lebanon. They that dwell under his shadow shall return, they shall revive as the corn, and blossom as the vine. The scent thereof shall be as the wine of Lebanon. Ephraim shall say, What have I to do any more with idols? I have heard and observed him. I am like a green fir tree. From me, O Ephraim, is thy fruit found. Who is wise, and he shall understand these things? Prudent, and he shall know them. For the ways of Yahweh are right, and the just shall walk in them. But the transgressors shall fall therein Hosea fourteen verses five to nine. Here then is one olive tree Israel in post resurrectional relation to the lamp of David's house. The other olive tree is the wild olive tree, also in its post resurrectional relation to the same. In Romans 11 verse 17, Paul tells us that the Gentiles are represented by this tree. Thus we are left without doubt as to the two olive trees. But Zechariah saw something more in detail than the two trees and lamp. He saw also two olive branches and two golden tubes. By these branches and tubes a connection was established between the lamp bowl and the two trees. The golden coloured olive oil is exuded from the two branches, through the golden tubes, into the lamp bowl, from which it is combusted through the seven burners for the illumination of all the nations of the earth, then blessed in Abraham and his mystical seed, which is the Christ and all in him. Zechariah was told that these two branches represented the Anointed Ones, or Sons of Oil, standing before the ruler, Adon, of all the earth. In other words, these two branches represent the saints, who are separated first from the Israelitish olive tree, and secondly from the Gentile olive tree, by nature wild. The two branches are not to be confounded with the two trees. These are not the anointed ones, but only the nationalities whence the two branches are developed. These two branches stand before the ruler of all the earth. They rule with him as kings and priests, being all anointed with the Holy Spirit from the throne of the Invisible Father. They are his eyes, hands, body and feet in the subjugation and government of the world he fills them with his spirit in fact they are his spirit corporealized, condensed if we may so speak into a multitude of living incorruptible and intelligent personages that which is born of the spirit is spirit the multitudinous Spirit-man. These symbols, then, seen by Zechariah after he was waked up by the angel out of his typical sleep, are representative of the Spirit of Yahweh, that is, of that Spirit's manifestation in the resurrected sons of God, who are spirits. Let me simplify this idea, if possible, yet more. When a true believer dies... He falls asleep in Christ. He corrupts, and when the process of decomposition is complete, he is reduced to dust, which is all that remains of his former self. Nevertheless, he reappears. His restored consciousness claims his former self as his. The dust to which he is reduced is at once the debris of his former and the nucleus of his future self. In reference to this nucleus, or detritus, of the animal body sown into the grave, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 53, It is necessary that this corruptible put on incorruptibility and this mortal put on deathlessness. This putting on, he tells us in Romans 8 verse 11, is effected by the spirit of him who raised up Jesus from among the dead. The spirit operates upon the dust of the former man, and fashions it into a new man, after the image of Jesus as he now is. Being formed, the formation is caused to live. In commencing life again at this epoch, this renewed man is said to be Waked as a man that is wakened out of his sleep. At this awaking he is as Adam was before he fell, because, having been pardoned or justified from all sin by an obedient faith, perfect in kind and degree in his former lifetime, and after that walked worthy of God to the end thereof, in the resurrection he is awakened as a man without sin. Being thus renewed, he is still in the image of the earthy Adam, but before he fell. But he is not always to continue in this image. For Paul says, As we bear, Ephoresamen, 1st Aorist, the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. A change must therefore take place, as a change must have been operated upon the first Adam in order to transform him from a living soul or animal into an incorruptible and deathless creature or spirit. In his case, this would have resulted from eating of the tree of the lives in paradise, if he had been permitted. Through that appointed medium, the eternal spirit, self-named Yahweh, would have changed the body of his lower estate in a moment in the twinkling of an eye into a like form with that which Jesus now possesses, and the saints are hereafter to possess. But, Transgression prevented this, and postponed the spiritualization of the Adamic nature until the resurrection era, in which, instead of two persons only becoming spirits, a multitude of their descendants, numerous as the stars of heaven, will bear the image of the heavenly, who is the Lord the Spirit. The dead saints being awakened to renewed bodily existence, they are prepared for bodily change. This corruptible must put on incorruptibility, and this mortal, immortality. But at what precise moment or point of time, after being brought up out of their graves, the saints shall be immortalised, does not appear to be explicitly revealed this is certain those who are among the dead will be awakened first, and afterwards the saints among the living will be, together with them, exalted to the aerial, where the ruler will have appeared. This together with them indicates to my mind that the saints from among the dead and the living will be simultaneously exalted to dominion, and therefore immortalized in the same epoch. The saints among the living must wait for their glorification till the saints are awaked from among the dead, but how long it will be from the awakening to the immortalization of the whole body does not distinctly appear. I say exaltation to dominion and therefore immortalization because flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Now the meeting the Lord in the air as Paul expresses it is in the style of Daniel the saints possessing the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven which they cannot do until immortalized or flesh and blood be changed into spirit neither will this dominion be possessed till it is conquered for it is a great mountain ...that has to be reduced in the presence of Zerubbabel to a plane. This reduction, I apprehend, occurs before the saints are glorified... ...and after their resurrection, so that several years may intervene... ...after the awaking from death to the shining as the sun in the kingdom. This seems to be indicated... In Zechariah 14, verse 5, there he says, Yahweh my Elohim, all the saints shall come with thee. And it shall be in that day there shall not be brightness, the splendid ones drawing in. And it shall be one day that shall be made known by Yahweh, neither a day nor a night, but it shall be at the time of evening, there shall be brightness. From this we learn that the Eternal Spirit, or Yahweh, and the saints will be in the midst of mankind in a period called the Time of Evening, or Daniel's Time of the End, but that when here, they will not, therefore, be in their brightness, after the example of Moses' face and that of Jesus when transfigured. To shine out thus would be incompatible with the work to be performed upon the nations and upon Israel, which is to be conducted on the principle of faith and judgment. This will I require that mankind at large should have to deal with the saints as if they were contending against ordinary men they must walk by faith and not by sight, and they must come to know the power of the saints by feeling the sharpness of the two-edged sword to be placed in their hands for judicial purposes. When the saints shall have executed the judgment written, the moment of the evening time will have arrived for them to draw themselves in no longer, and brightness will be displayed and thenceforth they will be resplendent in glory as well as immortal. In a moment we shall be all changed, says Paul. The judgments of the last trumpet being exhausted, Yahweh's changed ones enter into their glory. But the judgments must first be finished. And while these are smoking from the glory of the eternal spirit and from his power, No man can enter into the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels be finished. Apocalypse 15 verse 8. To enter into that temple is to rest from labor in glory. The epoch comes, then, at the end of the seventh seal, at the end of judgment, and consequently not at the instant of awakening from death. To be in glory is to have eaten of the wood of life when quickened, and to enter into the peaceful and glorious rest of the millennium. This is the consummation. As the leaves and branches feed upon the sap that circulates through the vessels of the tree, so do the saints, as the leaves of the wood feed upon the spirit which will circulate through the two branches of the two olive trees through the leaves of which branches the spirit will breathe its healing influences upon the nations the lamp and olive trees then are an organization of spirit manifested in the saints and nations of the earth blessed in abraham and his seed after the resurrection, the spirit in full evening-tide manifestation. The symbol does not exhibit the details of spiritualization spoken of above and a current between the waking up of the saints and the establishment of blessedness in all nations consequent upon their enlightenment. The eternal spirit, or Yahweh, is to do everything, But through what organisation? By his spirit, through the two olive branches, or Jesus and his brethren, as represented in the visions of the apocalypse. If this be understood, the connection between the question and answer in Zechariah 4 verses 5 and 6 will be readily perceived. The angel asked the prophet, if he knew what the lamp and olive tree signified. He replied, No, my Lord. The angel said no more about them at that time, but proceeded to remark, saying, This is the word of Yahweh unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by power, nor by strength, but by my spirit, saith Yahweh of armies. That is, as indicated in the seventh verse, there will exist contemporary with the resurrection, when Zerubbabel shall stand up again, a great mountain in the political world, which is to be reduced to a plain. But that this will not result by the power and strength of Israel under any organization they might constitute. For at that crisis their power and strength will have been utterly scattered, but it shall be accomplished by Yahweh's Spirit, which will raise Zerubbabel and his companions from among the dead to be the captains of Israel together with the living believers, and will be the strength and power energizing them all to the complete reduction of the great political mountain of the Gentiles to the level of a summer threshing floor even to cause to go forth the head or chief stone with shoutings of grace, grace unto him. In the vision we have been considering, the prophet contemplated a great crisis, which may be termed the fall of Gentile dominion and the full establishment of the kingdom of God. Such is the future catastrophe of the vision of the great mountain and the lamp and olive trees. But the vision had not revealed to him any particulars concerning the mountain. Contemporary with his own times, the great Gentile dominion that dominated Jerusalem and Judah and all the rest of the earth, from India to Ethiopia, being 127 provinces under the three presidencies, or ribs in the mouth and between the teeth of it, Daniel 7, verse 5, was that of the bear under the dynasty of Darius the Persian. Zechariah knew from Daniel that this was not the great mountain to be destroyed before Zerubbabel, but by the leopard power that would succeed it. He also knew from Jeremiah and the history of his own times that the lion standing upon its feet with a man's heart, was not the constitution of the mountain power under which it is to become a plain before Zerubbabel. This lion manifestation of the great mountain had passed away before Zerubbabel had become governor of Jerusalem. Yahweh had said concerning the Chaldean Babylon that had done evil to Zion in the days of Jeremiah, Behold, I am against thee, O destroying mountain, saith Yahweh, which destroyest all the earth, and I will stretch out mine hand upon thee, and roll thee down from the rocks, and will make thee a burnt mountain. And they shall not take of thee a stone for a corner, nor a stone for foundations, but thou shalt be desolations of an olam, saith Yahweh. Jeremiah 51 verses 25 and 26. In this decree was the sentence which has been practically illustrated for the past 2,400 years. From the capture of Babylon by Cyrus, the Chaldeans and their city began to decline until the two have ceased to have any more existence racially, politically or architecturally than if they had never been. The site of the old city of Nimrod on the Euphrates is literally a burnt mountain, a mound of ruins made by fire, and a type of the dominion peculiar to the Koldi race and dynasty in all the countries where they formerly ruled in power and great glory. Architecturally, a stone of the ruins has not been taken for the corner and foundations of any new edifices. Nor has a Chaldean by his own prowess, nor by the voice of a people, been made the corner or foundation stone of a new political institution. This is what has not been for 2,400 years. And the prophecy decrees the continuance of the same condition without limit, in saying to the burnt mountain, Desolations of an olam shalt thou be, saith Yahweh. An olam, which began with the building of Babel, and ended with the fall of Belshazzar, Lucifer, son of the dawn, who was hurled from the heavens by Yahweh's sanctified ones, the Medes and Persians, under Cyrus, his anointed shepherd. Isaiah 13, 14. 44 verse 28 and 45 verses 1 to 4. Many of Zechariah and Haggai's countrymen, who had witnessed the destruction of Jerusalem and the Temple of Solomon by the Chaldeans, had lived to see the fall of Nebuchadnezzar's dynasty and the completion of the new temple, which was finished shortly after Zechariah had the vision of the lamp and olive trees. Haggai 2 verse 3 They knew that the burnt mountain was among the things of the past and that Zerubbabel had had nothing to do with its burning and its downfall from the rocks. What then could the eternal spirit mean by the great mountain he apostrophized as destined to become a plain before Zerubbabel after his resurrection from among the dead. It was not the Chaldean, nor the bear, nor the leopard. For they saw by Daniel that all these were removed by conquest in the ordinary way. What else could it be then but the fourth beast dominion, which is to be destroyed by the saints? To this, then, Zechariah's attention was turned. The dominion was diverse from all that preceded it. It spoke great words against the Most High, and wore out the saints of the Most High Ones, and thought to change times and laws. This was a very peculiar dominion, and it was judged proper to give the prophet and his readers some idea of its origin of the original of its peculiarity. Hence, the prophecy of the flying roll and the ether.